story is where we should go as business owners and marketers. If we are having a tough time connecting with our audience, Welcome to The Found Podcast with Molly Knuth, a podcast for women who are founding and getting found with their businesses online. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and my mission is to help women rewrite how we live and work on our own terms. We want to grow families, impact others for the better, and be a positive force in our communities. But we also want to have a fulfilling life, you know? In the past six years, I've gone from being a stay-at-home mom to a freelance social media marketer to a hashtag boss babe, managing client needs, talented team members, and my husband and four kiddos on our little farm here in Eastern Iowa. And what I've learned in that time is that it's not just about going full force or any one-size-fits-all strategy for a business owner. It takes you leaning into your unique gifts, intuition, and goals, and learning who you are as a person along the way to founding this business. So come along for lessons and stories from female founders growing and scaling their businesses through energetics, tried and true tactics, and high vibe personal growth. Be ready to get found. Well, hey friends, welcome back to The Found Podcast. Today, our intention for this episode is to teach you the structure and the components of narrative storytelling and how to use stories in your marketing. Now, before I lose you forever, know that stories aren't just those little short stories that you dissected in your English class back in seventh grade. Stories are the song Fancy by Reba McIntyre. Stories are the 20 series run that is Grey's Anatomy. Stories are those those animated classics that you just can't get out of your head from the Disney glory days of the early 1990s. Stories are the things we share, the, the texts we send, those TikToks that we can't help but DM to our friends because they communicate something beyond a video or a photo or words on a page. They transcend all of that and they give us a feeling and emotion and a connection. That is story. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, if you've been here a while, you know that before I was in the realm of social media and digital marketing, I was actually a classroom teacher. Yes, I know. I am the person that loves that seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th grade literature curriculum. It just makes my heart go pitter patter. But really, when I was thinking about becoming a teacher, in my mind, I could only just picture like the classic elementary school teacher, the generalist who had a classroom of 20-ish students, taught reading, math, science, social studies, all the things. But then I got introduced to the world of secondary education while I was at the University of Northern Iowa. And I thought, you know what? I love books. Like books really unlocked the world for me when I was a child. And I remember riding my bike down to the library in downtown Cascade when I was like a fourth grader, picking up that Laura Ingalls Wilder Little House on the Prairie series. And there's like a distinct memory where I'm reading that Little House novel. I don't know which one it was in the series, but it had a yellow cover. She was in South Dakota. They lived in the sod house. The cover of the book was yellow and she was running amongst the prairie grass. And I remember reading that book in like 
the sun bathed laundry room. I don't know why I was in the laundry room, but that I just remember like stretched out on the laundry room floor with a Kool-Aid lemonade that we had made in the pitcher with, you know, you throw your sugar in and stuff. I was drinking that and a Swiss cake roll from Little Debbie. And I was just living my best fourth grade life. And books did that for me. They transported me. And when I was thinking about a career to pursue, that's what I wanted to do for students. I wanted to connect them with stories that they would never forget. And in my early days, in my second classroom that I taught in, um, in a public school setting, I was teaching seventh to ninth grade English language arts, as well as some communications classes. But I remember an eighth grade class in particular, and I was reading and studying this concept of free reading, not so much the AR testing that was cool about 10 years ago, where you'd read a book, take a quiz, get certain points. I wanted kids to read for reading's sake. And so we had 10 to 15 minutes at the beginning of every class period where we would just read. And there was really no parameters around what kids were reading. I just wanted them to pick a book that they enjoyed. And it was met with some mixed reviews, to say the least. We had those kids who loved reading and they were like, yep, absolutely, sign me up. I didn't have to tell them twice. They got their book out and they got to work. And then there were other kids who spent like of the 15 minutes, 12 minutes asking to go get a drink of water, go to the bathroom, you know, writing in their assignment notebook, doing everything they could to avoid it. And those were the kids that I tried to connect with better books because to them, they associated reading time with like these boring stories that they were forced to read to get a certain grade. And so we had to reintroduce the concept that stories could be fun. Stories could teach us things. Stories could be about our interest level. and. I just remember this one kid and he was really, really opposed to reading. He thought he was too cool for school and didn't want to read it. And then he got connected with this book, Unbroken. And it's a story of a World War II Pacific theater combat fighter. And he gets marooned in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And it's his story of being a prisoner of war. And he also competes in the Olympics. And it's just, it's a true story and it's fascinating. And that student in particular, he was so opposed to reading. But by the end of the semester, we were reading up to like 30 minutes for some days because the kids just couldn't get enough of it. And I remember him like, instead of being the kid who was sneaking other things during reading time, he was the kid who was trying to read his book when we were doing other things in our class. And that was just the transformative power of a really, really well-written, captivating story. And I just want you to think back. Like, you heard my story about Little House on the Prairie and the memory that that evoked and the story of this student connecting with Unbroken. And I could go back and, like, I could just think about all the other books that I loved, like the Babysitter's Club series, those choose-your-own-adventure books. And it doesn't even have to be books. There's story in movies like Beauty and the Beast or in my like tween years, The Parent Trap. Oh, gosh, The Parent Trap. I watched those movies over and over and over again until I could recite the dialogue by heart. And I'm pretty sure you could too. Like who can't like just rattle off a Tommy Boy quote? Like, you know that story by heart. And as marketers and adults with businesses, 
Sometimes when we think about how to promote our products, services, and offers, we go right to the easiest thing, which is to give it a title, give the product a name, talk about why it's so much better than anybody else's, what are the features of it, but we skip over story. Why should we tell story in our marketing? Because stories stick with us, you guys. It's so easy to forget the specific facts and figures of something, but the compelling nature of narratives stay with us. And I will cite this in the show notes for today's episode, but there was a really fascinating article by the Harvard Business Review. And it quoted psychologist Jerome Bruner's research, suggesting that facts are 20 times more likely to be remembered if they're included as part of a story, rather than just listed or presented if you can tell it in the context of a story, with a narrative structure, with characters, with plot, that is 20 times more likely to be remembered. Now, Let's demonstrate this. Think back to the childhood movie, The Parent Trap, the Lindsay Lohan version. Yes, I'm going to keep bringing this story up, this movie up. But think about that very beginning where we're introduced to the camp scene and these girls are all getting dropped off at summer camp. Hallie Parker is thrown into the mix. She sees her duffel bag from across the parking lot. She's running over to grab her duffel bag before she goes to her bunkhouse. But lo and behold, all these other duffel bags get thrown on top. And poor Hallie cannot get her duffel bag out in time. So I'm going to ask you, what color was that duffel bag? Can you think of it? If you said yellow, ding, 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 you're the winner. Now, go back to that fact that we quoted. Jerome Bruner said that facts are 20 times more likely to be remembered if they're part of a story. If I just asked you, like, what was the color, uh, the most popular color of duffel bags in the summer of 1998, we probably wouldn't know. But because we have that association with the narrative of the parrot trap and Hallie Parker, we can remember that yellow was popular in the late 90s for tween girls going to summer camp. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just proposing that. But Themes are also another reason why narratives are so powerful, because themes that we can identify with and relate to can really span the test of time. There's a reason why To Kill a Mockingbird and Romeo and Juliet and Of Mice and Men are still taught in classrooms today, even though they've been in the curriculum for decades. It's because they have themes of life that we can all identify with. We can identify with, like, really wrestling with ethics and justice like in To Kill a Mockingbird. We can really identify with that young love in Romeo and Juliet. We can identify with like having friendships and wanting to protect those we love like in Of Mice and Men. It's all concepts that are part of the human experience and then bringing it to that narrative structure helps us remember and relate to these issues in ways we might not be able to without that narrative component. Narratives and stories also allow us to reach the subject, which is in our case as marketers and business owners, our ideal client and customer. It allows us to reach that subject where he or she is. 
Going back to that Harvard Business Review article, it shared that in any group, roughly 40% of people will be predominantly visual learners. That means they learn best from videos, diagrams, or illustrations. Another 40% will be auditory, much like you guys listening today. They learn best through lectures, discussions, or audio recordings. The remaining 20% are kinesthetic learners, which are those of us who learn best by doing, experiencing, or feeling. Now, the beauty of storytelling is that it has aspects that work for all three of these types. For visual learners, they can create a mental picture so that they can view a story in their mind's eye. Auditory learners can focus on the words and the storyteller's voice. And kinesthetic learners can remember the emotional connections and the feelings that were evoked as they read or watched or listened to the story. Story is powerful. Story sticks. And story is where we should go as business owners and marketers if we are having a tough time connecting with our audience. And especially if we are debuting, launching, or getting going with something new. In your marketing, I want you to tell stories. And this could be through the course of a podcast, in the structure of a blog, through social media posts. But story helps your audience better remember and understand your point and your purpose. So you might at this point be asking, Molly, how do we even do this? And this isn't a fresh concept. I originally was connected with this concept a few years ago, way back in like 2017 with the, um, with the book Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And while I knew all of these things because I was an English language arts teacher, it was his framing the narrative structure in association with business marketing that really just rocked my whole world in a great way. Because like a story, our business marketing should have five clear parts. So a story has exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, and resolution. Now, let's use the classic Disney story, The Lion King, to demonstrate, okay? Bear with me. In the exposition, that's where we are introduced to characters, setting, and the primary conflict of whatever piece of narrative we are going to be interacting with. So in The Lion King, at the very beginning where we have the circle of life, where we have the song, and we have the opening aspect of presenting the baby cub, and then immediately after that, the scenes of like Simba a little bit older, and then we have Mufasa showing him around um, where all the light touches, we get to introduced to uh, Simba's mom, we get introduced to Rafiki, we get introduced to Scar, we get introduced to all of the primary characters, Zazu, and um, they are introduced in that exposition part. So we get the characters. We also get introduced to the setting. So very quickly, we see in this story, The Lion King, that we are set in Africa. And setting doesn't just have to be place, it can also be time. But in this, in this instance, with the story of animals, you know, time is a relative thing. So in certain stories, like maybe The Parent Trap, if we go back to that, it's set in the 1990s, which is a much different time period than camp would be if it was set today in 2023. 
That would change a lot of the devices. It would change a lot of the way that the kids interacted with each other. So having the setting, not just the physical setting, but also the time setting is something that we get exposed to in that exposition stage of the narrative. Thirdly, in the exposition, we are introduced to the primary conflict, which is the struggle that our hero, our main character, is going up against throughout the story. So in the exposition of The Lion King, we see that Scar is now second in line to the throne, actually third behind Mufasa and Simba, and he is grudgingly in that third position. Simba, we see, is like kind of, you know, he understands he's going to be king. He just wants the power and he doesn't really want the responsibility that comes with it. And so we have that conflict. We have that problem staged. We see that Scar is in opposition to Simba. Simba is kind of like unknowingly moving through life, you know, just enjoying it, knowing that he'll have the power someday. And so that's our main conflict. Think about any other narrative movie, um, audiobook, novel, classic that you've listened to or seen or watched. In that first part of any of those narratives, you are going to be introduced to characters, setting, and conflict. And with a story that we present through our marketing, we want to do the same thing. We want to introduce the main characters, which would be your ideal client or your customer, you, and really define those roles. So your ideal client or customer, that is the hero. They're the person who's going out. They are facing that problem. They are the one who is going up against the odds and they are going to win the day in their hero's journey. You, as the business owner or the product seller or the service provider, you are not the hero, which is something that can be really hard for us because we want to sweep in, we want to solve the problem, we want to be the hero of the day, but our job is not to be the hero. Our clients and ideal customers are their own hero. We act as that sage guide that can come in and give them the tools that they need, the wisdom that they don't have yet, and show them how to get to that end result that they desire. So that's a really common misconception that we might, we might not understand all the way if we are early into this marketing game. But our hero of each story is the client or customer. We are that sage guide. So in The Lion King, the hero is Simba. He's going on the journey. The sage guide is Rafiki the monkey. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go through the other four stages of the narrative structure. But that's the exposition, part one. How do we use this in our marketing then? By establishing character setting and conflict. And what I like to do is through different times of the year, I associate each month with each part of the narrative. So like January is a natural exposition period where I reintroduce people to who are the main characters of the business. And I might do a meet the team kind of post or a blog about the founder's story. And so the exposition is just like reintroducing. Who are we? We might also represent our setting, remind people what is our physical location? What are the service hours of operation? What is our contact information? What is the community we're located in and what are our ties to it? And then we might also reintroduce that conflict and say, you know, here's that problem that you might have 
And then here is that main product or that main service that we offer that can help you get to your solution. So exposition, that's how I use it in marketing. January is a natural exposition month. September is also a great month to revisit some of these exposition style concepts. And even if you want to break that down into the structure of a single month, you can say, okay, week one is going to be exposition. Week one, day one, we'll introduce characters. Week one, day two, we'll talk about the setting. Week one, day three, we'll talk about conflict. And then you can structure it that way as well. And that can be applied to social media. It can be applied to your email marketing. It could be applied to um, your text message marketing, however you want to structure that. But exposition is that just reintroduction to the basics, really laying the groundwork. Okay, section two of a narrative structure is the rising action. This is where things start to like pick up steam. We know the characters, we know the setting, we know that there's a conflict there, but if it stayed right there, you know, like things would just go on as normal. But in the rising action, like things are starting to get more tense. It becomes clear that we just can't keep operating at the status quo but we're really getting deeper. The tension is growing, the emotions are mounting, and something has to change, right? So in if we keep with this concept of the Lion King, the rising action is when, you know, Scar starts to really put Simba in these dangerous scenarios because his end goal is for Simba to be cast aside, and then he can start climbing up to that power, that throne position again. So we have the rising action in The Lion King where they go to the watering hole, then they visit the elephant graveyard, and they almost, almost die. And then we have the the water buffalo stampede, and then we have Mufasa's death, and then Simba runs away, and Simba then has this life with Pumbaa and Timon, and he's kind of found this new niche, this new role for himself. And all of that is rising action. Things are happening. Things are getting a little bit more intertwined, you know, it's getting a little more complex, a little more complicated, but that rising action keeps taking us up and up and up. Rising action in our marketing could be that way that we kind of unravel the feelings that our ideal client and customer might have. Now, when we introduced the conflict, we just said, you know, like, here's your problem. Now, the rising action is where we like dig into that. So, We might say, you know, you don't have a solution for your specific hair texture. That's a problem because you can't style it the right way and you get frustrated and it takes so long in the mornings. If, you know, this is if you're like a salon owner, then if we're talking about rising action, we go beyond just like, you know, addressing the issue of the hair texture and we might then dig into it a little bit more and we say like, oh shoot, you know, today it's humid outside. So you with maybe a more wavy hairstyle, it's starting to really, you know, get fluffy. And you've already spent two hours like washing, drying and straightening on Monday. And you go to bed and wake up the next day on Tuesday and your hair is just all over the place again. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a better way? Or we could continue this rising action by like, you know, introducing the fact that maybe it's not a, uh, an aesthetic thing, but it's more of like a lifestyle thing where it's like, 
you know, you have, you're such a busy mom, you have all these things going on. Wouldn't it be nice if this time that you dedicate to styling your hair every morning was able to be enjoyed doing other things? And so that rising action, we can begin to pose other options, other avenues, other opportunities. And that's the rising action. We're seeing the tension mount. We're seeing that things can't keep going the way they are. We're seeing that something has to change. That's what that rising action is. It's really inciting our hero to take matters into their own hands and not just accept the way things are, but understand that they have the power to make things the way they want them to be. And so in this rising action period, again, in our structure as marketers, this could transition into like if we're doing a monthly thing, it could follow your exposition month of January or your exposition month of September. So then your rising action could be unpacked through the months of February or the month of October. Or if you're going to follow the monthly pattern, your exposition is week one, then your rising action is week two. And rising action, I just worked with a client in a one-on-one setting where we said, okay, your exposition is talking about the people who are on your team. This exposition month is about introducing people to your board. It's talking about where you're located. Then their rising action was really saying, here are the problems that we're seeing in our community. And these are the programs that we have in place to really help rectify the situation because they're a nonprofit that works with a lot of like mental health services and providing one-on-one and group coaching opportunities. So their rising action was saying like, we see this problem in our town. And so we created this opportunity to make it better. We see this problem in our town. They'll talk about that a couple of days later. Here's this next thing that we have. So that's their rising action. That's how they structured it for their business. I'm sorry, their nonprofit. Um, So rising action could be unpacked that way as well. All right, part three of a narrative structure is the climax. And this is the turning point. This is where things cannot go back to the way they used to be. We can't continue to see things through the vision that we had in the early days. Things have unequivocally changed. And so the climax in The Lion King is not when Mufasa dies, you know, sometimes people say that, but the climax of the Lion King is actually when Nala comes storming through the jungle, finding Simba and telling him that, you know, things aren't great, that everybody thought that he was dead and he's not, and he's actually the rightful king. Because all this time before that, Simba was just going about the motions thinking that things are better if he's not there because he's the one who accidentally killed his father and yada, yada, yada. But the turning point that makes sure that things can never go back the way they were is that Nala now knows that Simba is alive. He's the rightful king. He could still come assume the throne. Simba knows that things at Pride Rock are not great. And so if he ignores it, everybody's just going to be in this really desolate position and subject to Scar's whims. And so the climax is that moment where things cannot go back the way they used to be because we have some kind of knowledge, we have some kind of action that has taken place that cannot be taken back. And so that climax is when we are really forced to address what is in front of us and acknowledge that things need to be changed. And so the climactic part of your marketing is that moment where you're like, okay, now you have this knowledge. Now you have this opportunity available to you. 
what are you going to do with it? How are you going to change this for yourself, hero? We're presenting you as the guide with this magic solution. Now, how could you ever go back to pretending like it wasn't available to you? And so that climax is like really being really being an advocate for how your product and service offers that transformational opportunity that your hero has been searching for, that this is the answer to the questions, that this is the solution to the problem, that this is the thing, this is the thing, that is the climax. And so it's really bringing all of that rising action to a turning point. And then we enter stage four of the narrative process, which is the falling action. So what's the fallout after we know this, after we have this information at our fingertips, how do we begin to take action after that? So in The Lion King, the falling action, even though it's still really exciting, the falling action is like when, you know, Simba meets Rafiki and he talks to his father, remember Simba. And then he goes back to Pride Rock. They have the fight in the fire, and that's all falling action, even though it's very exciting. It's all falling action because it's come about from that climactic knowledge that Simba is still alive. So falling action is what happens as a result of us now having this new knowledge, this new information, this new opportunity that the climax has forced us to acknowledge. So in our marketing, falling action could be giving our ideal clients and customers the next steps in order to take action with this new knowledge. So let's say in our hair care scenario, that climax is, okay, we've got this like solution that's new. It's a new product. It's a leave-in conditioner. And that's the climax where we introduce it. It's a new formula. And then the falling action could be like testimonials from people who've already used it. We could provide demonstrations before and after pictures. We could provide a specific set of steps for how people apply it and use it at home. That's all falling action because it's helping them take action and do something with this knowledge that was presented in the climax. And then the last stage of the narrative is resolution. The resolution is how are things now that the climax has happened? We've seen what happened immediately after that. And this is where our characters, we leave them. (laughs) Not that we leave them forever, but that's where we leave them for the purpose of this story. So with the Lion King, Simba and Nala are married. They have their own baby and the circle of life begins all over again as Rafiki presents that new cub to his or her subjects. That's the resolution. That's where we leave the characters. And so in our marketing narrative, the resolution is showing our client and customers, this is your new normal. This is your new life. Now that you have this transformative product, now that you have this service that has helped you solve these problems, this is what life is. This is what life could be. This is your new existence. Isn't it awesome? (laughs) So that's what a resolution looks like. And for our example of the client who needed that hair care product, the resolution, we go back and we like unpack what is life like now that they don't have to spend two hours a day in front of the mirror, now that they don't have to devote time to their personal cares instead of with their kids, now that they don't have to go to the salon for these results and spend hundreds of dollars and all of this time, they can just get these results at home on their own schedule and for a discounted price. So 
we really paint the picture of how life has improved and how they, as the hero, had gone on this journey and they now see a better future. And that is the narrative structure. So we have exposition, where we get introduced to character setting and conflict. We have the rising action, where tensions mount, and we get more and more frustrated, more and more wound up, and not to associate it with all negative um, negative emotions, but that rising action is really just that increase, that buildup of saying like, this can't keep going the way it is. We need to make something different. And the climax is where we are introduced to this pivotal moment this pivotal knowledge, this pivotal action where things cannot go back to the way they were. We are now forever altered because we have this new product at our fingertips. We have this new methodology in a certain framework that will allow us to live a better life. And we can't go back to pretending the way things were is the way things will always be. Now we have this climactic moment where things are forever changed. The falling action is stage four of the narrative structure. And that's where we really begin to like take steps to implement this new knowledge or this new product or this new way of life into our current life. And then the resolution is how the hero continues into forevermore with this new normal after having the transformative product or service. So really those five components of the narrative structure take us through a story and they make it more memorable, more applicable to our lives because the person at the center of it, the hero, is the ideal client or customer. And then we come in as the guide who can help them solve their own problems and live a better life. Now, for a recent client that I worked with, they have a coaching and consulting firm and we were having a hard time with their potential clients and customers of understanding exactly how this like coaching and consulting, which can be really ambiguous and hard to like understand how it applies to us specifically as people on the outside. Like how does consulting look for me? How does your services help me? And so we instituted this narrative structure every month and we picked a specific service And we created a story. So we developed a hypothetical character who was modeled after a client that they worked with. And we presented the different expositional components. So we said, this is the character. These are some of the strengths of this character. This is some of the weaknesses of this character. This is the character's problem. And this is where the character is currently set. And then the next day, we talked about the rising action. So we said, these are the things that this person is seeing. This is what the person is experiencing. This is how they are feeling. And then on the third day, we came in with the climax. We say, this is what the pivotal moment was where they knew that they needed coaching and consulting work. And then on day four, we talked about what our coaching firm suggested as that specific set of steps um, to get that client from where they were to where they wanted to be. And then on day five, we had a resolution style post where we said, okay, this is where the client is now because these are the things that we worked with them on over this course of time. And then that's where we left the character. And so through that narrative structure, we could really help unpack some of these complex things that are hard to wrap your mind around. But because we could present it in that narrative format, it was a little bit more attainable for the audience on social media and they could see more clearly how coaching or consulting 
could apply to their lives and their industry. Okay. So sometimes it is just like creating a a story around the products and the services you offer instead of just listing out the features or the specifics that are included in a package because those can be forgotten, but story sticks. So how could you apply this to your marketing? Go back to memorable moments in your business. Start to unpack those five key parts of that story and figure out how the medium of storytelling and what platform would work best, how you can relay that then to your audience and followers. So I'd start with saying like, what was the best moment in your business? Get yourself in that place. Identify what was the expositional components? Who were the characters involved? What was the setting of this best moment? What was the problem? What was the rising action that then brought you to a climactic moment where things had to shift? And then what was the falling action and resolution that you provided to that client or customer? And frame that into a story. You can also say, what was like the worst moment in my business? What was the most transformational moment in my business? What was a recent testimonial from a client or customer? And how can I frame that in the context of a story? So you have these storytelling moments available to you. It's just putting them into that narrative structure and then saying, okay, do I want this to be a social media post? Do I want this to be a series of social media posts? Do I want this to be a blog? Do I want this to be a podcast or a video? And then packaging it and presenting it to your clients and customers and followers. Now, if you need a little more work with this, or if you want to get my two cents, head over to at Molly Knuth underscore MKM and just shoot me a DM and say, hey, how do I apply the narrative structure to my business? I love to get these kind of questions. And it's one of my favorite things to do stories on on Instagram because I'm just like spitballing with a whole bunch of ideas. So seriously, I just love getting DMs with these different um, concepts and challenges. And then I unpack it. It's one of my favorite things to do. So you can hit me up on social or you can send me an email. Hello at mollyknuthmedia.com. And we can discuss a one-on-one marketing consulting session. If you really want to get into the nitty gritty and unpack and frame how this narrative structure could be applied to your business's marketing. And in a one-on-one session, whether you want to do a one-time session or a three-month or a six-month ongoing, what we do is really get clear on what are those areas that you have opportunity to share share stories, what are the platform or platforms that work best, and then we put a plan of action into a calendar so that you can go attack it, you can go execute it, and then we can see the results on the other side. So at Molly Knuth underscore MKM on social, or if you want information about one-on-one sessions, hello at mollyknuthmedia.com for more. Now, you guys, I am so excited to come back to you in just a couple weeks with another episode of The Found Podcast. But in the meantime, you can always go back and listen to our library of past episodes on iTunes and Spotify. And while you're there, don't forget to go and leave a review because those help us get in front of even more fantastic small town business owners, founders, and people just so excited to see personal growth in small towns. So thank you so much for being here and I'll be back in just a couple weeks with more. 
Hey friend, thank you so much for listening in to The Found Podcast. If you loved what you heard in today's episode, please head over to The Found Podcast on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. It means so much to know how you think about these episodes where I pour out my heart or to know what strategies you found most effective from our guest experts. While you're there, you can also check out that library of 100 plus episodes of stories of female founders and successful strategies for getting found in your business. Thank you again for being here this week, and I'll be back with even more in next week's episode.